All right, how's everybody doing this evening? Good. Well, we're going to be in the book of Philemon tonight, right between Titus and Hebrews. Uh, this is a this is a story of uh, I shouldn't say a story. It's a letter, uh, a letter that Paul wrote to Philemon. A, he's a this, Philemon is a friend of Paul. Paul is. Let's give a little bit of better setting here. Paul is in his first imprisonment in Rome right now. Um, he's sending this letter to Philemon because he's going to be asking Philemon to forgive his slave Onesimus. Onesimus ran away, uh, stole and ran away from Philemon and somehow ended up in Rome where Paul led him to Christ. So now Paul is sending Onesimus back to Philemon with his appeal to Philemon to forgive him, to forgive. So a, a big part of this message tonight is on forgiveness. It's on forgiveness, which is so big. It's so big. Um, before I go to Philemon, though, there's, there's two verses uh, that I want to read, uh, two portions of Scripture that I want to read out of John that are going to... I want to take a little bit different uh, perspective on going into Philemon tonight than... Um, that I haven't really seen before, but we studied this book, Philemon, at the men's Bible study on Monday nights, and uh, I've read over this, and I've read over it, and I've read over it, and I just kept reading over it, and I'd, it has such a powerful message behind it. Uh, this is Paul writing to his friend. I mean, this is a very personal letter to his friend saying, forgive, forgive. And I want to look, look at this letter from the, the perspective of Freedom. We've heard the word freedom. We live in America. We know about freedom. Uh, freedom of religion. Freedom of, of speech. All of these freedoms. But there's a bigger freedom that we have, and that's in Christ Jesus. This is one that we can't put a price on. I mean, I am so thankful for the freedom that we have in America. Uh, for the freedom that, uh, as there was, it was Veterans Day last week, that the freedom that we have because of those who fight for it. I'm so thankful for the freedoms we have. But I'm more thankful for the freedom that I have in Jesus Christ. It's a freedom that frees me up from the bondage of enslavement of sin. From being a slave to unforgiveness, to being a slave uh, to the things that want to hold me down and keep me captive. But what Jesus Christ did for us is he set us free. He has set us free to love. He has set us free to forgive. He has set us so free that I don't think that we all walk in it. It is amazing how many of us walk in this freedom every day. I know I don't. I don't. I miss it sometimes. There's days I miss the freedom that Jesus Christ paid for in his blood. So precious. So precious, so precious. And I think part of Paul in writing this letter to Philemon, know, he knew that unforgiveness is a prison. It, in, it enslaves you and it holds you down. It, it keeps you from truly ministering how God wants you to minister. Um, so let's go to these verses here in John before I, before I keep going here. But uh, the first one is going to be John 8. John chapter 8, 31 and 32. You don't have to turn to these if you don't want to, because we're going to be going to Philemon, but, but feel free to just 
be turning back and forth the Bible. I'm going to be going to multiple scriptures tonight. But uh, John chapter 8, 31 and 32. Uh, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth shall make you free. Later on, what he's talking about in there, he said, If you commit sin, you are a slave to sin. But he who the Son sets free is free indeed. You know, walking in the freedom of Jesus Christ is one of the most amazing things that we can possibly do because there is nothing else of the power of Jesus Christ working in our lives and setting us free from the bondage of all these things that hold us down, whether it be sin, whether it be unforgiveness, whatever it is, addictions, whatever it could possibly be in our life, that Jesus sets us free to minister. And I think a lot of times when we hear ministry, we think of positions in the church, the pastor, all of these different positions that might be, that we could fill, uh, a Sunday school teacher. Ministry is your life. Your life. Your life is a ministry no matter where you are. In your homes, in school, at your job, just with the people around you. No matter if you're in stores or whatever, your ministry is a life. Your life is the ministry. Unforgiveness pushes ministry down. It prevents ministry because it is so detrimental. It, if we live in unforgiveness, it consumes us. Because we're always thinking about that person or that thing, that whoever hurt us, whoever caused us pain. And it always comes in our mind and we always run it over and over. I'm very familiar with unforgiveness because it was a part of my life. I lived in unforgiveness for a good portion of my life. And I hope at the end of this that I can share a little bit of that as saying that this unforgiveness was real in my life. And it was squashing out any kind of ministry that I could ever have. Because I held on to it. And I didn't want to let it go. I thought that maybe if I just kept holding on to that, you know, somebody needs to pay for what they did. Somebody needs to have something coming to them for that. The only one it was hurting was me. The only one it was hurting was me. And Jesus Christ set me free from that. There's freedom. And looking at this verse right here is seeing that it says, The truth shall set you free. The truth. He said, if you abide in my word, if we know and live by faith God's word, we know what, when we, get, we have to know God's word because his promises say we're free. If we know what Jesus Christ has done for us, by faith we believe we are free. There is no greater thing, I think, in life than living in the freedom and the peace of God, of knowing that I don't have to be bound up and pushed down by something that is going to keep me from doing the work that God wants me to do. Each one of us has a ministry. We don't want to prevent what God has for us. We don't want to stop it and squash it because of something we're holding on to that Jesus Christ has already paid for in full. In full. Let's go to John 10.10. 10. This, this is another one in John here. It says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and that they may have it abundantly. The abundant life. More. It says, get, and have, give them life and give it more abundantly. Walking in the freedom of Jesus Christ is an abundant life that is rich and full of the love of Jesus Christ. 
that pours out of me, that pours out of you when we're truly walking in that freedom of knowing what Jesus Christ has done for us, of walking in that freedom of the love of Jesus Christ being poured out of us into people's lives around it. It is amazing. It is amazing of what Jesus Christ will do in each one of you and me when we will let him, when we will let go. I realize that pain is real. It is real. It hurts. It hurts when somebody hurts you, when they stab you in the back, when they do these things that you don't expect it coming. And all of a sudden, it just knocks you right off your feet. Now, what do I do? My initial response is, oh, that makes me angry. I don't like that. That's my flesh response of, I don't like this. I don't. But there's a greater, it's a spirit within me that's saying, that's not how I want you to respond. Give it to me. Jesus says, give it to me. And I will turn that pain into something that is beautiful. Give it to me. And I think it's hard to do that, though, because I think there's so many times that we think we can control so much in life when the reality is, is we don't have as much control as we think we do. That was me for a good portion of my life. I wanted to control every aspect of life that I possibly could. And I was failing horribly at it. I was failing horribly at trying to control everything. Because I'm not God. I can't. So let's go to, John, let's go to Philemon. I want to go in with the mindset of we're reading through this letter of Paul appealing to his friend to forgive his slave, who is now a brother. When we go into this letter, the context of this letter is a believer to a believer. Forgiveness for a believer. But I think Jesus, later on, as I'm going to point out, is he goes beyond that of even saying among brothers. It's to those that are in the world that have hurt us. Um, Jesus is calling us to a life that is filled with forgiveness. A, forgiving, a life that is full of... I mean, how much are we forgiven? Can we put a price on that? Can we even say, my debt is so big, huge, massive, I can't pay it. As we see later, something that Paul says in here that is very striking that I think he resembles what Jesus said, is Jesus said, put it on my account. Put it on my account. I can't pay it, but Jesus can. But Jesus can. Philemon, it's a very short letter. It's not very long. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read it. It's 25 verses. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become, may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Therefore, though, therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you, what is fitting. Yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I appeal, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart, 
whom I wish to keep with me and on your behalf, he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I want to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention that you, to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I will be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus, Christ Jesus greets you. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So as we read there and we saw at the very end, he said, Paul said, I'm writing this with my own hand. He cared about this situation very much. Paul wanted to see restoration come between the relationship of Onesimus and Philemon. He said, I mean, later on when we say it, he said he wanted to have joy from what Philemon would do. When we're in a situation with, with conflict, let's say, I mean, the context of this letter is between brothers. Onesimus is now a brother in Christ, so now we have to look at it from that aspect. Yes, he did things, apparently, as it looks like, before he was saved. And I think there's a big reason that Paul's sending him back, uh, sending Onesimus back to Philemon, because he wanted Onesimus essentially to, to come face to face with the one he wronged, to deal with even those past things that he did. Even though he was forgiven, that Jesus Christ forgave Onesimus for what he did, um, I think it was right in what Paul did. He said, I want to send him back so that he makes it right with you, Philemon. That even though, yes, Jesus Christ has forgiven him for these things, he needs to make it right with you. And you need to forgive him. At the beginning of this letter, as Paul goes in here, I like what he says there at the beginning. He says, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He doesn't say he's a prisoner of Rome. He's a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He knew that Jesus Christ had him in that position in Rome right at that time. Rome could not hold Paul. Jesus Christ held Paul. And I think that's so important to remember in our lives is no matter what situation we're in, where we're in, I mean, as we get to this, we see that he led Onesimus to, to Jesus Christ while in chains. In chains. So for us to look at, I'm waiting for the ideal opportunity to come up in ministry for me to jump in. Paul was in chains. And he was ministering. There's never an ideal situation in ministry. It's just, where are you? Who's around you? Can I minister here? Why not? Who lives in me? Jesus Christ. Is Jesus Christ bound by location or time or place? Never. Nothing can stop the power of Jesus Christ from moving when people allow it to flow and to move through them through the Holy Spirit. Um, I think that was huge is when he says that. He says, I'm a prisoner of Christ. And of Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, he says, our beloved friend and fellow laborer. So this is a very intimate letter that he is writing to Philemon. He cares. 
You know, sometimes I think we look in through Scripture and see how Paul writes as, man, this guy was just like, boom, 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 you know. He was coming hard. This guy, Paul, is very relational. He, he wants relationships. He loves people because he loves Jesus Christ. Because he loves Jesus Christ. He says to the beloved Aphia, we believe that is uh, Philemon's wife, and Archippus, that we believe that is, uh, they believe that that is uh, Philemon's son, our fellow, or fellow soldier to the church, and to the church in your house. Philemon had a church in his, own, in his own home. He was housing a church. I'd say this guy is what Paul's writing is, we're going to see here. And I, this guy had a huge ministry and, and the, in Colossae. They believe that Philemon was in Colossae. Philemon was written about the same time that the letter to, the, uh, to Colossae, Colossians and Ephesians was written. These two letters. Philemon is a guy that had a ministry. Not just because he had a church in his home, but I think later on what we see is, well, let's just go ahead and read it. I think let's just get right into it and see who this guy is a little bit more. We don't know a lot about Philemon. This is, the only, this is about as much as we know about Philemon right here. It says in verse 4, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints that the sharing of your faith may become, may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which, you, which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Paul's praying for him. In verse 5, he says, hearing of your love and faith. Paul's heard about it. He's in Rome and he's heard about it. So this guy is ministering. This guy is is doing what Jesus has asked him to do. He's walking in the love of Jesus Christ. It says, I've heard of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. All the saints. Verse 6 to me is one of the key verses of this whole book that I think that opens up as we move down to the rest of this. It's huge and it's a key. It's a key in our lives as well. It says that the sharing of your faith or the communication of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. That the sharing of your faith is our share. This applies to us as well. This is what Paul is praying for Philemon right now. Is our faith, the sharing of our faith, is it effective? Is it effective? If you had to look at your life and, and where you're at right now and how you live your life and how you share your faith, is it effective? I have to look at that in my life every day. Am I effectively sharing the faith, sharing Jesus Christ? around me, to the people around me, just the way I live, the things I do, the things I say, the people when I work, the people I work with, just the things that I say and the things that I do, is my faith effective? And why is it effective? Look, go to that last part of that verse. It says, by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus, what happened in me? Why am I the way I am today, who I am today? Is it because of me? And what I've done, what I've accomplished, what I'm doing, where I'm going, my desires. No. It's because of what Jesus Christ has done in me. 2 Corinthians, 2, 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, For if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. The new man in me, a new creation in Christ Jesus. 
That's huge. Do I want to let Jesus work in me? Do I want the new man to come out? I do. Because that's who I am. I'm not that old man anymore. I'm not the old man anymore. Does the old man creep up again every once in a while? (laughs) He's always there waiting. He's always there. You know, whatever it is, any situation, he's there waiting for a little opportunity of just slide a little something in there. Maybe I'll get you off. Maybe I'll get you off track just a little bit. And I'll take a hold of that. Wow. How easy it is to go that direction sometimes. But that's why it's so important that we're walking according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. It's easy to say that, but when it comes into practice of having to do it, that's when we totally have to rely on the power of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit working in our lives for the reality of that to happen. The reality of that to happen. I want to go to, I'm going to go to Colossians. I'm going to go jump over to, I'm going to jump back to Colossians here really quickly. Colossians 3, chapter 3, verse 12 through 17. This is a character, this is characteristic of the new man. Am I changed? Is what we were looking at in Philemon there when we were saying the acknowledgement of every, as Paul says, that your faith is effective because of the acknowledgement of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. What happened in me? Do I acknowledge that? Is that real? Is it a real thing that happened in my life? Is why my faith is effective is based, so, is based solely on what Jesus Christ has done in me. That's what it's based on, is what Him, Him, and Him alone, not on anything that I could possibly do. It says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy in love, by put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another, If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Why do I do the things I do? Why do I, now as the new man, why do I do them? It says I'm doing them all in the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm doing them for His glory. The characteristics that we read there of that new man in me is forgiveness. I think Paul puts that in there. This would recall to Philemon's memory of how much am I forgiven? Just so much. Just as much as Christ forgave me, I extend forgiveness. I want to do what my master does. I want to do what the master does. Who's my master? That's a good question. I hope it's Jesus Christ. Because that, in a sense... Unforgiveness wants to take the place of Jesus Christ and be your master. It wants to enslave you. It wants to put you in that place of saying, I am hurt, and I'm just angry at this person right now. I don't want to forgive them. But that puts us in a place of saying, Jesus, you are not my master. This pain is my master. This pain is my God. This thing that wants to control my life is going to keep me from ministering and being what Jesus Christ freed me for. 
for the purpose of His glory. I want to be a vessel used for the glory of God. Do you? Do you want to be used for God's glory and see the power of God working through you in the lives of people around you? People who are saved. Maybe you need to be forgiven. I know I've had to ask for forgiveness from brothers and sisters before for the things that I've done. What about the people that are in the world? Are they going to see anything in me and us that is different? Or are they going to call us hypocrites? Hypocrites. You say one thing and you do another. Sometimes I feel very hypocritical in the things that I do. Very hypocritical. Because I say it, and then sometimes I don't do it. Praise God there is the conviction of the Holy Spirit to say, what have you just done? That is not what the Master is doing. That's not what Jesus Christ is doing. Thank you. I praise God for that conviction. Sometimes we think, man, conviction. Man, that brings me back on track. That gets me in line with saying, that's wrong. It was wrong. It was wrong. It was wrong. Thank you, Jesus, that you corrected me. You rebuked me. Because I want to stay in line with what you're doing. I think that's what some of what Paul is doing here with Philemon is saying, you know, you remember what Jesus, remember what has happened to you. Every good thing that has happened in you. You are a new man in Christ Jesus. You are not the same you used to be. And I think that's leading him down this road of, you're going to be able to forgive. You will be able to forgive because of what Jesus Christ has done in you. Because I don't know, I, I mean... I don't know then that day. I mean, I, I really don't have a, a, a good concept of slavery and what that was like with a master and his slave as the slave basically ripped him off and ran off. But he was, he was angry. I, I imagine there was some anger there probably. He stole from me. Probably glad he was gone. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> but he probably still thought about it though. I don't know, when somebody kind of jabs me a little bit, you know, if, I, if, if I'm walking in the flesh, then, ah, they got me. They got me. But that's not our attitude. That's what our attitude should not be in that. And I think that's what Paul is starting to lead Philemon a little bit down that road of saying, prepare yourself about for what I'm about to tell you of who just became a brother. It was your slave, Onesimus. He's become a brother now. This kind of changes things a little bit more, doesn't it? Where you're in one body. You were both bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. This is different now. I don't know. I think, you know, I think this is a really good setup that Paul is doing here. He's setting Philemon up in a sense to say, yeah, you're right, Paul. Man, God has done amazing things in my life. Absolutely. The crazy thing about this is what they believe is that Onesimus actually probably took this letter to Philemon. So Onesimus was standing there in front of Philemon with this letter from Paul. He had a letter. In verse 8, he says, Therefore, though I might be, this is Paul, though fair, I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I appeal to you for, the, for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. Did you catch that? My son. 
This slave is very important to Paul. He says he's my son because I begot him in my chains. I begot him in my chains. Let's keep going here. He says, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable you, to you and me. I am sending him back to you, therefore. Receive him. That is my own heart. I'm sending him back like I'm coming to you. I can't come, but I'm sending you like my own heart is coming to you. Receive him like you would receive me. Receive him like you'd receive me. He says, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. In, verses, in verse 9 and 14, when he says, Paul initially says, you know, I could, I could tell you to do this because I'm Apostle Paul. I, I'm the Apostle Paul, and I can tell you with the authority that I have that you need to forgive him. You need to do it. Do it. But he said, I'm not going to do that. He said, I could. He said, I might be very bold in Christ to command you to do what is fitting. But he said in verse 9, he said, for, yet for love's sake, I'd rather appeal to you. And then I want to go, and then what I just read in 14, he says, but without your consent, I want to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, but that it would be voluntary. I think what Paul wanted to do for Philemon was he said, you know, I could command you to do this, but I want, the wor- I want the Holy Spirit to do the work in you because the Holy Spirit will do a much greater work in you than I could by making you do it. The Holy Spirit of seeing that the reality, that your faith is real, your faith is genuine. And I think this was part of a little bit of a test here on Paul's saying, saying for, for Philemon was, I'm going to see what you're going to do because I'm not going to force you. But I think Paul, as we get to the end of the letter, he had confidence in Philemon that he was going to do it. He had confidence because he'd heard, he said, Paul said at the beginning, he said, I heard of your love, toward, your love and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ and all the saints. I believe Paul had confidence. I want people to have confidence in me that I will do the right thing, that I will do what Jesus Christ is asking me to do. I want people to have that confidence that, that I'll do it, that I'll be obedient to Jesus Christ. I'm going to jump over here quickly to John 15. John 15, uh, verses 7 and 8. This is the portion of Scripture where Jesus is talking about He's the vine, we are the branches. We are the vine, He is the branches. We need to be in the vine. He says in verse 7, He said, If you abide in Me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, by this, is, by th- by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. I wanted to bring this, this ver- these two portions of Scripture in here, as he's saying, my Father is glorified in that you bear much fruit. Part of what Paul's saying here, I think, in this, in this portion of, of letting the Holy Spirit do the work, of he's saying, I'm not going to force you. I want you to do it. I'm gonna, I have confidence that you're going to do it because the Holy Spirit working in you. Philemon has a spirit. He's walking a spirit-filled life that is bearing fruit. God is glorified by Philemon's life. I want to live a life like that. I want to live a life that bears much fruit. It says, my Father is glorified in that you bear much fruit. Much fruit. 
That is only through the Spirit. A Spirit-filled life, empowered by Jesus Christ, is without a doubt the most powerful and exciting life you could ever live. Without a doubt, it is. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but feelings are deceiving. It's by faith, and faith alone. I believe that it is because Jesus says it is. Why do I believe the things I do? Because Jesus says they are. Because his word said it. He said, abide in me. And my words abide in you. When I put his word into me, it is living and active. As Hebrews says, sharper than any two-edged sword. It does what it says it will do. Do I believe it though? It's by faith. It's not by feelings. Feelings are deceptive. And they lie. Jesus doesn't lie. So where does my faith lie? In feelings or in Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. When you let the Holy Spirit do the work in your life and you surrender to it and you give way to what the Holy Spirit is doing, usually he'll be telling you exactly through the Word of God, the Word of God leading you, directing you, guiding you. He'll call it to your memory of you thinking and remembering these things that Jesus said, that the Word of God says. He says the Holy Spirit will empower you to do those things. I can't do these things that Jesus is asking me to without the power of the Holy Spirit actively working in my life every day. I can't. I can't do it. No way. Within my own power, I can't do these things. I can't. So as we look at this, Paul wants, he's leading, he's leading, he keeps leading Philemon down this road of getting to where he's going to mention Onesimus here. He said, I see that you're living a, a spirit-filled life that is bearing fruit. I see that you know you love, the, you love Jesus Christ and you love the saints. So now he goes on to say, say as he mentioned Onesimus in here, he's, he's mentioned, I mean, what would, I mean, what would Philemon think when he mentions Onesimus? Oh, he's now your brother. I begot, he's, he's my son. I begot him in my chains. As we look on, as we read later, as we get to here, as Philemon, it was the same thing. Paul said, you wouldn't be saved if it wasn't for me. Essentially, they're both, Paul led them both to the Lord. Brothers, brothers. Let's go on. In verse 15, it says, Perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that, he might re- that you might receive him forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in flesh and in the Lord? I think that's really important in 16 when he says, No longer as a slave, but more than a slave. More than a slave. He says a beloved brother. You know, I always have to look at my life, and when I look at that, when I look at people, what do I see? Do I see socioeconomic standing, where they stand on the ladder? How rich, how poor? Through whose eyes do I see people? Paul's saying, don't look at him as a slave any longer. Don't look at him in that way. He's more than a slave. He's a brother. So how should we in the church be looking at one another? Based on what we wear, what we have our position, whatever it is. As I see here, there's no real partiality. There's no partiality with God. You know, it's amazing where 
we're going through the book of James right now in the men's Bible study, and in chapter 2 it talks very much about partiality. He says, don't do it. There should be no partiality here. Don't, take, don't hold the faith of Jesus Christ with partiality. Don't do it. Whose eyes are we looking through when we see people? Our own or the eyes of Jesus? Oh, I pray that we look through the eyes of Jesus. Man, Jesus loves people. He loves people so much. It's amazing to me. It was something that for me is just how to... Especially, you know, for me, it's, it's amazing when you spend time with kids. When you spend time with kids and you just hear the th- little, little kids and you hear the things that they say. And you have no idea what their home life is like. You have no idea what goes on in their lives. And then you look into their eyes and you can hear some of the things they say and you can see the pain in their eyes. You see the pain. And you just feel compassion and you say, man, I'm looking through the eyes of Jesus right now because I see the pain and I see the hurt. And you just want to weep. I just want to weep when I see that because I'm just like, Jesus loves these children so much. And it shouldn't matter whether it's children or adults. There's so much pain and hurt going on in people's lives. And I shouldn't use whatever it is, whether they have little money, much money, stuff, anything. It doesn't matter. Jesus is looking at the person. He's looking inside and saying, what is going on? He sees exactly what's going on inside. And he says, he wants to, he says, I want to reveal to you as a child of God, I see this person that is hurting. Go to them. I don't care who they are. I don't care where they come from. It doesn't matter. As he says, no longer a slave, but more than a slave. I think we have to look at that in a perspective. I know that in the context of this letter, it's for believer to believer, brother to brother. What about when we look from a perspective of unforgiveness in the world, of saying someone in the world who does not believe hurts me? I may be the vessel that God uses through forgiveness of extending love to that person to bring them into the kingdom of God. His work totally, maybe not, but is that for me to decide? The love of God breaks down so many barriers, so many walls. It is the most powerful thing in the world is the love of Jesus Christ. It is amazing. It broke me. It broke a man who was hard, who was angry and bitter. It broke him. And it brought him to his knees and saying, Jesus, I need you. The power of love in a person's life, you know, forgiveness, when we look at forgiveness in the perspective of extending it to someone, they may receive it or not. Forgiveness is for for me. I think that's something that Paul wanted to relay to Philemon is, you need to forgive. I know that Onesimus is probably standing right in front of you, but I don't want your life to be hindered by unforgiveness. Forgive and be free. Be free. Be free. So as we go on past this part of seeing, Paul is just laying this out so beautifully in this personal letter of saying, I don't know how Philemon could not be at a place of saying, man, I, I am going to forgive. I am going to forgive because Paul has spoken so much here. My slave is no longer just a slave. He's a brother. He's more than a slave. He's my brother. 
I know what Jesus Christ has done in my life. He's forgiven me so much. Paul has done a masterful job, and I know it was only through the Holy Spirit that he wrote this letter this way. That he could get that we could read essentially Paul's person. This is like personal mail. We get to read personal mail here of this letter that was very personal. We get to read it. And it speaks into our lives. It's amazing. Let's keep going on. Let's keep going on. We're we're getting close here to to um, to finishing up here. Um as he goes on, he says, If then you count me as a partner, receive... This is verse 17. Receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. Put that on my account. This is what I was referencing that I think Paul was speaking. He sounds a lot like Jesus in this, of what Jesus would say is, Put it on my account. Put it on my account. Put it on my account. When I came to Jesus, when all of us came to Jesus Christ, bringing our sins, bringing our sins in, He said, you'll come to me and surrender me? Put it on my account. Put it on my account. Man, His account is big. Big. And I needed someone to have a big account because my account wasn't that big. I didn't know anybody that had that big of an account to take all my sin, to take all my stuff and put it on Him. And I think that's always something when we say that Jesus is saying the same thing. I think Philemon would have said that is, what has Christ done for me? He said, put it on my account. Put it on my account. Man, you can't deny that. That is awesome. That is awesome when Jesus says that. Put it on my account. I'll take it. What does it say in 2 Corinthians 5.21? For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That's big. That's big. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. His righteousness applied on my account, your account. I can't buy that righteousness. He has to give it. Continue on. He said in verse 19, I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay not to mention to you that to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides yes brother let me have joy from you in the lord refresh my heart in the lord paul wanted he says let me have joy from you in the lord refresh my heart in the lord i hope to hear i want to hear refresh me i want to have joy in knowing that there is restoration, that you forgave Onesimus, that Onesimus made it right, that you are brothers together in the body of Christ, You're, the restoration of the relationship has happened. I will have joy. Is our attitude when we go into a situation of wanting, um, of going to someone where we need to forgive someone? No, someone needs to forgive us. Do we want the outcome to be joy? I hope it is. We want restoration to happen. We want that unity of the body is that not what we're, that's what Christ wants is unity in the body there's only one body what if the body's at odds it'll collapse one body unified under the head Jesus Christ as imperfect as we are it gives a testament to the power of Jesus Christ to bring everything 
all of us from all kinds of backgrounds, different things into one unified body, the universal body. It's not housed in a church, a building. It's housed here, 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 here in us. Living stones, living stones. Verse 21, he says, having confidence in your obedience. Right there, he said it. He said, I have confidence in your obedience. I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Now, when he says that, uh, I found this interesting when he says, having confidence in your obedience. Obedience to who or what? I don't think this is obedience to Paul. I think this is obedience to Jesus Christ. Ultimately, why do I obey Jesus? Why do I obey him? It's because I love him. I love him. He created me a new man. I'm new birth, the new birth. I'm born again as a new man. He did that. All because he loves us. Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His love. We were still sinners. Why would God love sinners? Because he can redeem them. Because he's going to glorify himself and redeem his creation. Because he loves us. I think is what we take away from this letter is, as Paul, as he finishes up there, he says, you know, prepare, prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I will be granted to you. And then he says a farewell of greetings from these, these fellow laborers. But I think of what God is asking us, and, and even what he was asking of Philemon, is live a life of forgiveness. Remember what Jesus Christ did for you, what he's done in you, what he's continuing to do in you. Don't let anything hinder the ministry that you have. That applies to us today. The ministry that God has given each one of us, do not let it be hindered by anything, any seed of unforgiveness. And we could go even beyond unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is what I chose, I just, because that's, based, that's the overall theme of this letter. Forgiveness and restoration. But it could be any seed of anything in our lives that enslaves us. Anything that is there that could possibly enslave us and in a sense become our master and take the place of Jesus Christ. I don't want to be in that place where something is competing with Jesus Christ to being the master of my life because that squashes and prevents all ministry. When Jesus is pushed aside and I'm letting something else dominate my life, that's my focus. I'm not thinking about Jesus at that point. I'm thinking about I've got to take care of this or do this or this thing or this thing. And life has, a, has a, a way of things just happening in life that they can happen. There are things that come in our lives, that come in our lives, that come in our lives. And they can do things. And they, if we let them, we have a choice. We do have a choice. But Jesus Christ, I say we have to live. And I mean, this word just resonated and resonated through me. Freedom! I mean, can you just throw your fist in the air and go, Freedom! 
because of what Jesus Christ did. I mean, part of this story for me is this, I kept reading it over and over this letter, I think because it was part of what my life looked like. Not in the sense of what Philemon did, but I was living in a life of unforgiveness. For me, I was, as a young boy, I grew up on a farm. My dad loved a farm. I felt like he loved the farm more than he loved me. And I grew to hate that farm. I hated it. I hated that farm. And I had unforgiveness for my father because I felt like he loved something more than he loved me. And he cared about something more than he cared about me. And it was something that I held on to into my 20s. And in my late 20s, I held on to that. And I was trying to work into a relationship with having a relationship with Jesus Christ and moving into, God, I want you to use my life. I want you to do something in my life. And I just felt like something was just holding me down. It was like, there it was. Unforgiveness. You've got to forgive your father. I mean, I had grown over the years just bitter and angry at my father. Because I felt like he loved that thing more than he loved me. And I blamed him for things that happened in my life, even though it was my own choices. I was deceived by even that of saying, that my dad, because he did that to me, that's why I'm doing these things now. That's why I am the way I am, because of my dad. And that wasn't totally true. I made choices my own. I made my own choices. But God, over time, he softened my heart and said, got to forgive your father. You're the only one that's being hurt by this is you. And I'm, I'm thankful to say now today that, that I did forgive my father. My dad and I have a very good relationship right now. I go to my dad for so much advice, spiritual advice, and so many things. I, I don't know what I'd do without my dad. So that was... But I had to come to a place of forgiving him. Otherwise, I wouldn't even want to go to him for anything. And I praise God for that in my life because it enslaved me. I was enslaved by that unforgiveness. I was angry. But the interesting thing about that, and we have to be careful of, is that this prison that we have going on inside us, I can put on a mask that makes it look so good. Man, that guy's got it all together. People would say, man, you, you're the nicest guy we know. And deep inside I knew, man, I am angry and I am mad and I am bitter. And this is what you see, but I could cover it up. I could make everything look so good on the outside, so perfect. That's why when I talked about wanting to control everything, I tried to control it. Because if I could control it as much as I could, I could make it look good. But deep inside, I was broken and breaking and shattering. And I said, finally, I came to a point where I could, I was trying to seek perfection. I was trying to control everything. And I couldn't do it. And I was collapsing under the weight of trying to do this on my own. And I said, God, I can't do it anymore. I can't do this anymore. I can't live like this. And I'd read these verses. I grew up in the church. I knew all of this. I knew it. 
But I grew up in religion, so I knew religion. I knew the letter of the law, and I wanted to live by the letter of the law. I wanted to live by that. And it was killing me. It was killing me slowly, slowly, slowly. Based on the way that I lived, I know I would have made a perfect Pharisee. I would have made a perfect Pharisee because I wanted to live by the letter of the law, but I was a hypocrite. I was a hypocrite. And I said, God, I want you to use my life. He said, then you've got to forgive. You've got to forgive. Put it on my account. Put it on my account. At that moment, I said, I felt that freedom of saying, I can forgive and I can love. The love of God lives in me. I can love. And I don't think, you know, I was so blinded by the anger towards my father that I didn't realize actually how much he did love me. At a portion of my, in a time in my life where I was not seeking God at all, my dad actually, when I was talking with my parents, and I was just like, I really don't want anything to do with God. I don't want, I don't want your religion. I don't want this. My dad actually wept and said, I don't want to see you go to hell. I don't want you there. I At that moment, I, my, dad, my dad actually loves me. I was deceived by the anger and, the, and all this other stuff. I'm not saying that what my dad did was right by choosing the farm and his work, his job over me. But he did care for me, and I don't think he knew how to show it. I don't think he knew how to show his love towards me. He didn't know how to show it. But I was not right in accusing him and saying that my father did not love me. Because he did. So God, I mean, I, I've walked in this. I've known this. And now I know and I'm on the other side of knowing what freedom in Jesus Christ is. And I read through this letter and I saw the confidence that Paul had in Philemon to forgive. And that is awesome. I pray that for you guys. That if I have no idea what's going on in your lives. I have no idea. But Jesus Christ knows. Don't hold on to anything that will enslave you and stop the ministry of your life from doing amazing things for God. Each one of you matters so much to Jesus Christ. I don't think you even know. I don't even know. The only time we don't know, we only know in part right now. We don't know fully as we are fully known. But I encourage you, walk in the freedom of Jesus Christ. Be set free from that. If, there's, if you have any internal prisons, I mean, we talk about freedom. I live in America, so I have freedom. So many people live in a prison within themselves, the biggest prison of all. That if we give it to Jesus Christ and surrender it, he will take it all. Put it on my account. He says, put it on my account. Walk in the love that I poured into you. 
the one verse that always has resonated with me, and this is my last, this is the last thing here, is, is uh, it's Galatians 2.20. For I've been crucified with Christ, and the life I, and I know, is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I gotta lay aside everything else that that hinders. I gotta lay aside this stuff that is about me. I gotta lay this stuff aside. It says, I no longer live. I've been crucified. I laid down the old man. I crucify that stuff. I say, Jesus, control my life. I'm compelled. I want to be controlled by your love. I don't want to be hindered by these things that want to drag me down, that want to take me out. As we read in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Do not let the enemy enter into your lives and take away your joy, your peace, the ministry that God has given each one of you. And it is powerful. When you walk in a spirit-filled life, the ministry that God gives each one of you, it's unique to each one of you. God gives each one of us a unique ministry, only that we can do. And He'll accomplish it through us if we'll just say, Yes, Jesus, be the master of my life. I won't let this other stuff enslave me. You are my master. I pray that for your lives, guys, that Jesus Christ is your master. Don't let these things enslave you. Don't let anything enslave you. Give it all to Jesus. Put it on His account. Put it on His account. Because He said, I took it. It's sufficient. My blood's sufficient. All sufficient. So I, so I hope that you got something out of that. You know, it's uh, forgiveness is an amazing thing. It sets you free. It sets you free. And it gives you freedom in Jesus Christ to minister how he wants you to minister how he desires you to minister. God loves you very much, each one of you, very, very much. I can't even convey how much he loves you. And he wants to see you walk in freedom. Freedom in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you and we praise you for